Are you an overcomer? Yes. Half of us are overcomers. Come on, it's got to be contagious. Are you an overcomer? Yes. We need to think like we're overcomers or we're going to be overcome. Amen. Overwhelmed. So we need to stand firm. So we are in this series called Fight For It, where we've been looking at the different items of armor that Christians are supposed to put on. And I hope that you put each of these on, maybe a little bit snugger than you had before as we've explained what these items are. Today we're going to talk about the last item of armor. It's not the end of our series. Pastor Adam is going to wrap it up next week, but I want to talk about this last piece of armor. It's crucial, and way too many Christians have just set this on the shelf, and uh, it's, it's what we need. So let's, let's read through this text one more time to get it in our minds. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. And this time we're going to switch and read it out of the New King James Version. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shed or shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The last item is the sword of the Spirit. The sword is the adjective describing spirit, the Spirit of God at work in your life that's going to bring you breakthroughs which is the Word of God. There is an inseparable link between the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Together they make the sword. Each of these items, if you've been paying attention, each of these items of armor that we've been told to put on have been defensive up until today. We're talking about the sword of the Spirit. That is an offensive weapon. Don't put that on the shelf and say, I put the Bible in a prominent place in my life. The prominent place is in your heart. You have to know what the Word says, and you have to activate it. You've got to draw it out of its sheath, and you've got to put it to work. So we're going to talk about how do we do that today in a practical way. First, uh, let me kind of break this down. It's the Word of God. What is the Word of God? What does that mean? We're going to talk about that. There are three Greek words translated word. The first one is the Greek word graphe. We get our word graph from it. It simply means the writings. It could mean the Old Testament or the New Testament or some commentary someone wrote about it. It's written down for people to, to, to learn from. Graphe. Here's the second Greek word. Logos. It means an expression of thought. If I, if I say in my mind, the monkey ate the banana. Everybody in this room has a mental picture of a banana. It all looks the same. In our mind, we're all thinking banana. But we all have a different image of what a monkey is. Some of us may think of one of those little, little monkeys. Some of you may think of a gorilla You know, the different kinds of monkeys. But the word banana means one thing, and so we use that word to communicate. Jesus 
is the Word of God. Did you know that? In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not a God, as some people would get us to believe. He was the God. He was God in the flesh. He was God's expression of himself. What would God do if he were here on this earth? What would God think about this? You just look at Jesus. And that tells you what God would do and what he thinks about this or that. There's a third word, Greek word, translated word. It's the word rhema. Rhema is different than logos. Logos is a fixed word. Rhema only works for a couple minutes, and then it expires. A good example of a rhema word, a right now word, would be from Luke chapter 5, verse 5, where it says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, that's the rhema word. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. doesn't make a bit of sense to me. If I've been out here fishing all night and there's no fish out here, for me to drop the net one more time, that just doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense at all. It's a rhema word. It's right now. Try to pull this tomorrow, nothing's going to happen. Wait for a couple hours, nothing's going to happen. You see, it's a rhema word. It's a right now word. It fits for you right now. And the beautiful thing about the Word of God is I can get a rhema word out of one scripture and you read the same scripture at the same time and get a different word. God's speaking to us. The Bible is not a textbook. You get confused. You think it's full of contradictions if you think it's a textbook. It's God's Word to us. He, he, he has inspired it. It is written down. And so I can read His Word when I'm going through a difficulty. You can read the same Word going through a different difficulty and we get this get different answers because God's given us life it is the book of life so I want to share six things this morning about the sword of the spirit as the word of God and how we can use it as an offensive weapon and how it helps us win our battles and by the way if you didn't know you're in battles you need to wake up you see Satan hates God because he hates God, he hates Jesus who is God. And when you identify with Jesus Christ, you're his enemy. He is out to clean your clock. He wants to wipe you out. He wants to destroy you. He does nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. That's his motivation. And when you become a Christian, your troubles begin because you step into this spiritual battle. He's in it to wipe you out. You have to have defensive weapons on have to have this armor. And you got to get the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's an offensive weapon, and you can fight back. If you don't know what this book says, you can't fight back. I want you to be able to fight back. Here's the first thing I want us to see. The sword is how we attack the enemy. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that to the full. The King James Version says, abundantly, full, to the full. He wants us to not just squeak by like everybody else. 
who's under attack. He wants us to stand tall, to stand in the day of battle. He wants you to stand, but we've got to apply the word. We have to think about this. The enemy is serious, and he fights for keeps. And we need to fight with the same kind of determination. Jesus came that we could have life more abundantly. Breathe deep. Enjoy everything. Even the attacks when they come, we can enjoy them because faith tells me what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. So I just rest in that. God's so good. So the Bible is an offensive weapon. Know what it says. Know how to use the Word of God. Here's the second thing I want us to learn about it. The Word is inspired by God. You ever had something inspire you? You read something and it just, it just put life in you, just encouraged you. You listened to, to a song on the radio or you went to a concert and something just inspired you. You went out different than when you came in. You were inspired. You see, the word is inspired by God. It was ins- the, way God would, the way God inspires people when they wrote this is the spirit of God just came upon them and guided them. I've, I've had these experiences where I was writing a story or writing an article or doing some sermon preparation, and I was more inspired at my desk, typing away at my computer, putting these thoughts together than I was when I actually got up and delivered it. It was inspired message. You can be inspired at what you do. So the Word of God is inspired. 1 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, listen to this, all Scripture is God-breathed. That's where the word inspiration comes from. God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God is designed to equip us for every good work God wants us to do in our life. He just gave us four things the Word of God can be used for. Number one, for teaching. In this day and age, people don't know what the truth is. We have been bombarded by lies from all angles. Everybody's trying to indoctrinate me to think like they think. If you don't think so, just think about this angle the next time you're watching a sitcom on television and see what they're trying to get you to believe. They're trying to indoctrinate you. We need to know what the Word says. What does the Bible say about how to live your life? Because we want to live life to the full. Not just getting by along with what everybody else is saying is normal. We need to find out what's maybe abnormal so I can live life to the full. How does God want me to live my life? Teaching, it's good for teaching. Number two, for rebuking. Oh, we hate this. We do not like it when somebody rebukes us. I don't. Maybe, maybe you're a sadist and you do. But I don't like being re- rebuked. I want, I want people to say, did a great job today, Pastor Deal. I don't like being rebuked. But the Word of God has rebuked me. Where I've read through it and all of a sudden I've read something in it. It just revealed my motives. It just revealed why I was doing what I was doing my own inadequacies, my own insecurities. 
And the word of God shows me that, and he rebukes me and straightens me out. Here's the third thing, correction. The Bible is good for correction. Correction is realignment. When somebody got a little bit off and they need to be realigned. I've been off before in some areas, and the Lord has shown me how I was off. And I was doing this in my way, not God's way. Not a wrong way. It was just my way. And God wanted me to do it his way. There's a particular way he wants us to do things, you know. Correcting. And the, the fourth one, then, is training. There's a difference between training and teaching. Teaching, you, you give somebody the basics. So you give them the thing to focus on. Training is helping them discipline themselves to get, yep. to get it done. So it's, it's like spring camp for a baseball team. Yep. Sit around, get fat and out of shape over the winter, but it's time for the game to start. Got to get you in shape. Yep. So you go to spring training right. to get those to get everything in your body back in shape to be able to get in the game. Training, practical application. And what's the goal of all these four things? To thoroughly equip us for every good work. Amen. If you're not doing a good work, something that somebody will say, that's a good work. If you're not doing that, you're not really applying the Bible in your life. He wants us to stand out, not blend in. We Christians should be on top of things, not under things, not going with the flow. So here's, here's the third thing I want us to see about the sword of the Spirit. The Word is living and active. Yes. A lot of people don't know this. I want you, I want you to get it. It's, it's alive and active. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Attitudes of the heart, there's the motivation. Did you know that it's a sin for you to judge someone else's motives? You can judge their actions, but you can't judge their motives because you don't know what's going on in their heart. God can judge what's going on in their heart. I've got an illustration here. This is a replica of the sword one of those Roman soldiers would have had. This was the size and still pretty heavy. They would use this to defend themselves. They would use this to use force. They were Roman soldiers in conquered territory. There were constantly zealots and terrorists and radicals wanted to get them out of there. So they had to be ready to defend themselves at all times. They did that with a sword like this. And you could be used for slashing. could be used for thrusting through. This is a deadly weapon. This would do more damage than a bullet. I mean, look how wide that blade is. This is a sword that Paul was looking at 
on some Roman soldier when he referred to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's active. It's alive. What does active mean? It's relevant. It fits your life today. It'll fit your life tomorrow. It'll fix, it'll fit your life situations next year. It's always relevant, alive and active. Something new, every time you pick it up, every time you read it, there's something new in this thing. It's an amazing book because it's spiritual. It's alive. It's like a scalpel. Cuts deep, deep down in. Divides between things we don't know how to divide. Can get way down between the joints and the marrow and not kill you in the process. Oh, it can kill you. But the sword of the Spirit wants us to live, have life. So sometimes we need to have surgery and we need to have something that doesn't belong there cut out. God can do a good job. The Word of God is relevant. It's alive. It can pierce deep down inside of us. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nobody else can do that, but God can do that. And he brings life to dead things in the process. If you got something in your life that's dead, that's died and hurt you deeply, i got good news for you. He's in the resurrection business. He loves to resurrect something that's dead. But we have to believe he's at work in our life. Here, here's the fourth thing I want us to see about the sword of the Spirit. Some things need driven out. Yes. Come on. God said this to Israel just before they went into the promised land. Numbers chapter 33, verses 55 to 56. He says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. You're probably... You're probably like me, you're a peacemaker. You don't like fights, you don't like wars, you just want to be at, why can't we all just get along? But I've got an enemy that's already declared war on me. I've got to be defensive, and I've got to drive certain things out of my life. Certain things got attached into my life when I was young. And it didn't seem bad at that time, but it attached itself to me. And what he says is when I come to Christ, I'm stepping into some promises. And if I don't drive out those things that have become attached in me, they're going to be barbs in my eyes and thorns in my side all the rest of my life. This is what freedom is. This is what deliverance is. Getting those things out of your life. My wife has this cactus plant at our house. And the thing started out pretty small. But man, that thing had grown fast. It's a monster. <laughs> yeah, literally. A monster. She's cut it back now. But before she cut it back, I was walking past that thing one day and brushed up against it. And I got this 
thorn about two inches long in my, the side of my, side of my hand. Now, I felt it, but it really didn't hurt. But I knew that's going to get infected. And I'm going to keep bumping that thing against things because it's two inches long. It's going to get in the way. I got to get this out of there. And I went to pull it out, and you know that thing was stuck. There's little microscopic barbs at the end of that thing you cannot see. But I knew this is going to give me problems and get worse and worse through my life if I don't get this out of here. So rather than go to the doctor, which I knew that was going to cost me, I just grabbed a hold of that thing and yanked. And it wasn't in that deep. It didn't hurt. It was just really stuck in the, in the skin. When that thing came out, it was out. Didn't get infected. Didn't swell up. Nothing. It was just over because I got it out of there early. There's certain things attach itself to your life and mine. We just got to get it out of there. How do I get that thing out of there once those barbs have become stuck? I need to search the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. This tells me how to deal with these things in my life. What I need to do with these things spiritually is I need to sit down and I need to say, God, I need your help on this. God, I got some, this, this thing has become attached to me. It's attached to my emotions. It's attached to my soul. I need to get this thing out of here. Would you show me how? And if you ask God with an open heart like that to show you how, why would he not show you how? But you can't put this back on the shelf in the prominent place in your life. You got to read it. Amen. Let it get down inside of you. God will show you what you need to do. So we need to drive some things out of our lives. Here's number five, the fifth thing. The word bears fruit. The word of God is like the sword that you use to defend yourself against Satan. It bears fruit. Luke chapter 8, verses 11, 12, 13, and then verse 15 says, This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus said. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. How does it bear fruit? By persevering. You know what persevering means? It means you hold on. You don't believe when everything's going well and not believe when things go wrong. You just keep believing. No matter what comes your way, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the weather is, no matter how hot or cold it is, no matter how tense things become, you just keep believing. I serve a God who's bigger than all my problems. I serve a God who's got his eye on me at all times. I serve a God who can help me be successful in my life. 
once that seed gets, it's like a seed in the soil. My, my wife and I, we have a raised flower bed at our house, and she planted carrots this year. Tiny little carrot seeds. I've been going out there every day watering that thing. I don't see one single carrot. <laughs> Nothing. Just wet mud. But you see, I have faith that that seed is going to spring up out of that soil. So I keep carrying the water out there. Keep watering the thing. Is this relevant? Does this relate to you? Got things in your life it looks like God's not answering you? Listen, just keep putting water on it. Just keep believing. Every seed has life within it. It's got to rot before it springs up to life. So you keep putting water on it. Word of God's like that seed. It gets planted in us. You, you hear an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher come along and teach you the Word of God. Believe it. Let it set down inside of you. Let it take root inside of you. Keep watering it. It's going to grow in due season. There are seasons for these things. Hang on through the dry season so you can see the crop be developed. And here's number six. Here's the last point I want us to see. The Word is where we find life. It's where we find life. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Everything God has said, that's where life comes from. So we we keep exposing ourselves to it. We, We keep allowing it to settle in our life. He says the same thing in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The words of mine, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Hearing isn't enough. You've got to put these things into practice. You have to act on what the word says. And he says the same thing again in Luke 7, 7, where the centurion says to Jesus, this is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. You just say the word. Jesus has already said the word. We just need to read it. Let it be like a seed planted inside of us. And then watch God develop it into something amazing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in one last song here in just a minute. But I want to, I want to close with this. I want, I, want, I want to give you three mottos, three things to hang on to, three things to take home with you. Here's the first one. Pray it. When you find the Word of God, you need to pray it. Reword it so it becomes a prayer you're talking to God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you, no matter what you're going through, is that you pray continually. Pray. So you pray it. Here's the second thing. Obey it. Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, That's true. But the people who are really blessed are the ones who hear and obey God's message. So we have to hear what God is saying. We have to hear the word of God. 
then we have to obey it, put it into practice, act it out. I don't mean act like pretend. I mean put some action to it. And thirdly, say it. Speak it out. Psalm 9, 13 through 14 says, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter Zion and there rejoice in your salvation. I need to declare it. Once I discover what God is saying to me in the word of God, I need to pray it. Then I need to obey it. Then I need to say it. I need to speak it out. Once I speak it out, it becomes life inside of me. Pray it. Obey it. Say it. Everybody say those three things with me. Pray it. Obey it. Say it. Speak it out. We declare it. This is the sword of the Spirit. Sword of the Spirit is a word picture for God's word brings life to us. We need to put it into practice. Let's all stand together. Pray it, obey it, and say it. Make it a part of your life, and it becomes a part of your life.